Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And joining me today for this very special episode is the one and only Save Trash Cinema intern, Jack Hurst. Jack, What's how are up? you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And moving on to what this episode is about. We have a very special guest. We're very excited to have him on. He's the founder of the New Orleans-based French filmmakers, Terror Optics. He's a director, editor, producer, and an all-around jack-of-all-trades of filmmaking. The father of Cockface Killer himself, Jason Mathern. But before we get into that, uh, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at Save Trash Cinema or on Instagram at Save Trash Cinema as well. We'll be continuing to release mini shows, crossover episodes, and interviews just like this periodically, so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. We also have a Discord server and are dishing out some behind-the-scenes looks at how STC has put together sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, special family movie night events, as well as just a really cool community of Trash Crusaders. So come on over and join us there as well. But enough about that. Let's get the show on the road. Jason Mathurin, everyone. What can you tell us about the killing, Sheriff? Well, we don't know much about him. All we know is a pretty sick. Jason, thank you so much for coming on today. We're just absolutely thrilled to have you here and uh, can't wait to jump right in. How are you? Yeah, good, man. I'm stoked. I uh, It's not often I get an email saying, hey, can we talk to you? It's like, well, yeah, fuck, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, we kind of want to start off and just talk a little bit about you specifically. You know, you have a handful of feature-length films under your belt at this point, including modern exploitation, classics such as the Cockface Killer series, Stabbed in the Face, and Silk Scream. So to go ahead and knock out the obligatory interview question, what led you into filmmaking, especially with a focus on exploitation and grindhouse style films? Uh huh. I guess that is like a normal question, huh? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was <laughs> I was going to college, and I didn't like it. Um, and I didn't like anybody there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I had friends that didn't go to college, and I needed a way to hang out with them instead. So, yeah. So then we started making Attack of the Cockroach Killer on the weekends. <laughs> That's kind of, I mean, I have some friends from college, but I went to like a, like, I'm not rich and I didn't grow up rich, but I went to this rich college. Everybody was kind of douchey. So I got like five friends from all of college. Did you go to Tulane? Yeah. I started connecting the dots when you said everybody was rich and douchey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, then you're somewhat familiar then. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually um, there in October and um, the drinks were cheap. So that was nice. Okay. Well, I mean, you weren't going to Tulane. You were just hanging out in New Orleans. Uh, well, I was on, I was on the campus, but um, you know, we were hanging out at the boot every night and uh, okay. doing that. Not many places you can get a, a, a triple shot of uh, uh, Jack and Coke for, for five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the that's all anyone does in this country. I mean, in this town, and this it used to be like I used to call it like a third world country, but now it's just like every place else. It's kind of disappointing, but yeah, it's a drinking town. So. Yeah. So, out of curiosity, so you come out of college, or you you specifically just kind of want to make a move with your friends and have an ex an excuse to be able to hang out and shoot shit and do your thing. So, how does terror optics fit in? with the kind of idea of like hey we're, we're just making a movie for fun you know 
here's a weird explanation. Um, I remember having like, you know, go, going to parties or, or having parties even. And like, I always wanted to see something like, you know, on, in the background on TV, you know, like, like something weird, you know, cause yeah. no one's going to watch it and you can't hear it. There's music and shit, but like, it's like the visual aspect of, you know, if you came to a party at my house, um, you know, cannibal Holocaust on the TV <laughs> and people are like, okay. what the fuck is this? Right. So that was the, the idea was just that, like, I just want to make something so fucked up that people stop and look. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't even know if that answers the question. I mean, well, you know, if, if it, if it makes sense to you, uh, this definitely was what made us stop in question and immediately go well specifically for jack he was like we got to get this guy on on the podcast we got to get this guy and he spent several hours looking for you to be able to make that happen um so it definitely did what it was worth because at the time you know we'd uh we just watched attack of the cockface killer or is is through wild eye releasing has been titled uh gore face killer and so that what y'all watched Y'all watched yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the yeah. Wow. So and it was kind of a it, so it's kind of weird. The whole history, at least I have with it, is like Goreface Killer has always kind of been on my radar. I'm very particular. I love extreme horror films. Like like I love when movies push the boundaries and are just like fuck everything else. We're doing whatever we want and just suck it. Here it comes. And so yeah. it had kind of been on my radar, and then it popped up. They had a it was like just an advert popped up and it was like, Hey, unearth films and wild eye releasing are doing something together where they're, they've got, we got a bunch of movies we're doing for a discount. It was like, okay, cool. And then I saw it there and I was like, fuck yeah. Like getting this movie, we're watching this movie. And so we watch it and immediately are like, yes, we have to 100% talk to you, Jason. Like however we can make this work. We wow. got to get this. We got to get this because this is like, for for us, it's the the essence of what we think when you think trash cinema. It's something that does something very different, and it pushes the boundaries. And it, it's just as fun. Like the movie is incredibly fun. <laughs> There's no question about that. Yeah, it was, it was fun to make, man. I mean, that was I guess that's other other part of it. Like uh, the way that was made was with you know drugs and alcohol. That's how that's how you got people together, basically. Um, I guess that shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I won't say that we weren't inebriated when watching, but uh, we definitely were inebriated with watching. So it, it crossed over very well. It crossed over very well. And that kind of brings me to the next question we have. Uh, you know, we love the DIY aesthetic, the cheesy, sleazy, the gory subject matter. And ultimately, just think it's a, you know, the film is really fun and we love fun films. And that's kind of the point here. And with that being said, as the creator of the Cockface killer series for someone who has never seen the film or has ever heard of the film, like from your own word, if you were to try to pitch the film to a random stranger you met on the street, how would you explain Cockface killer okay. to someone? I don't think I would. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean it's not a it's not a good thing to bring up. Generally, it makes people walk away from you. Uh, ah, fuck, I don't know, man. Um, it's like you know, it's like a slasher movie. So, but like, um, but also like, fuck you. Yeah, the whole you know, it's a, it's so it's not a slasher film because it's not that good slashing wise. But you got a guy, kind of like Jason Voorhees, right? Like he's—I would imagine Jason Voorhees was killing all these people because I mean I know the real plot of the show, but I think it's because he can't, right? So he wants to be doing it, and instead he's just got to kill everybody. So that's what Cockface's motivation is—is is that he can't get laid. So if you are, he's mad. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, uh, whatever we could think of that's offensive, well, that's in the movie too. I guess that's that's the plot of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think that kind of sums it up fairly well. Yeah. So we know what Cockface Killer is, or or at least kind of how you would sell it. So the question to me is because, like you said, the movie's fucked up, and you 
It said like, hey, whatever we could do to, to put something else in that was going to be wild, like we added it in. So my question to you is, when you're getting actors and crew involved in a film series like this, like how do you broach the subject with them when you're like, are you like, hey, this is going to include gratuitous nudity and crazy amounts of gore? Like, like how do you convince yeah. people to be like, yeah, look, fuck yeah, we're into this? Well, it's kind of like, so it depends on the person, right? So you meet a girl, and the first thing you say is like, you know, you get naked, right? Like that's you got to get through that first. And a lot of them say no, and then you know that doesn't mean that they're not pretty and you can't use them or they're not cool and you don't want them around. Uh, but you got to establish that from the get go. Yeah. And then with a guy, um, you got to ask the same question too. Basically, like you know, will you show your dick? And that's often a no. Um, but that's, I guess that's the first question I ask a guy, like, will you, you know, will you get naked? Will you show your dick? Can you have sex on camera? Uh, and most guys say they can, but then you get down to it and they can't, by the way, that's very common. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like the vast majority can't get hard one. Like it's, you know, everybody's standing around and, you know, like there's no time to get in the mood because I'm fucking with the lights and I'm pissed because something's not working and, you know, nobody's in the mood. Everybody's aggravated. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. So a lot of times guys have a hard time getting erect, but that wasn't the question. Uh, fuck. What was the question? Oh, how do you ask people to do this shit? Yeah. So if, you know, essentially I'm always just recruiting. So like there's a script kind of, and then you're just recruiting people to do the weird shit in the script and the acting is kind of an afterthought, you know, but if, then you get some real weirdos and they want to add to it and they want to do something even weirder. Well, then that's, you know, great. I don't know if that's so a good that, answer either. No, I think that's, it's fantastic. Something that Jack had brought up when we were watching Cockface Killer, there was a particular scene uh, in the film. Yeah. So through all three of the movies that we watched, all the Cockface movies, there was, so you only saw one. all three of them. <clears throat> yes, yeah. We have watched, we have watched we own all we have, three of them. There is wow. only there was only one scene in all of it that I could not watch. And right. it was when that the girl was piercing her nipple in, <laughs> in the shop. And now my question is, now my question is, did she actually pierce her nipple like for real on camera in front of you? Uh, well, that's funny because like that was a pre pierced hole. Oh, okay. Well, what's even funnier is that that's, my fat friend Jared's nipple. <laughs> <laughs> like there's footage somewhere of us goofing off, like while he's shaving his chest and like saying exactly this, like, man, somebody's going to think it's a chick's tit. Huh? You know, like, <laughs> if, we did, if we did think it was a chick's tit. Yeah. yeah. He's going to love that, man. He's going to be really happy that y'all said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I could I couldn't watch it. I literally had to like look away. I was like, I because because at that point, you know, you're watching the movie, you're seeing somebody's dick get sucked on camera, and you're like, there's no way that this is like not actually like this person's dick is getting sucked for real, right? Yeah. And, and so then you see a nipple getting pierced, and I'm like, okay, at this point, like I would fully suspect that they're yeah. yeah. piercing this nipple in real time on camera. Yeah, we, I mean, obviously, that's the easiest way to go. We're not going to fake it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and so, like, you know, if there's if there's something that we could, I don't even know if, I, I guarantee you that wasn't in the script. That was probably just like, oh, yeah, you know what? That might have been in the script. I don't even know. I, I haven't read that thing. So, so on that note, most of the sex, like, in it, for the most part, especially at least in the first movie, and maybe in the second one, the sex that was going on, you know, was real. Yeah, well, for Cockface, we have a quota at least to have, you know, maybe two real sex scenes. I don't remember, man. It's been so long. I haven't seen these movies in a long time, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I, I know them all by heart. I just, it's been a long, so I, it kind of all, it's kind of blurry, man. It really is. Uh, but that was at least, yeah, probably at least two sex scenes have to be real. And there's shit in there that's real that you can't tell that it's real because, you know, I, and I, in hindsight, I wish I would have just straight up made the porno. Like, I, I wish I should have got those shots because then I could at least show this on a porn site because I can't show it anywhere anyway. But 
a lot of the sex is real and I'm kind of like hiding the fact that it's real. And yeah, that was a mistake on my part. Honestly, sucks. You know, I don't, I don't think you should beat yourself up over it. Honestly, we were, if we were able to get our hands on a copy of it, then (laughs) trust me, we will get our, we'll get as many people as we can to also get their hands on it. There will be a cock face killer resurgence soon. That is the the goal from this interview is to, to get the word. This is going to become the next thing. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did y'all see the the wild eye version of Grime Wave of Cockface Three? Okay, y'all... So, so we do. We have a lot of questions about that, and yeah. So y'all saw the censored version, man. That okay, mother- and we have so many questions about it and why it was just not only censored but just so poorly oh, censored. I was so pissed, man. But I guess we can get to that later. But yeah, I was okay. I'm still we're pissed se- about that. We're setting up the teaser. We're setting up the teaser for it. All right. Yeah. So we got one more just about attack of the, the cockface killer and or gore face. So the first question I have is just kind of coming off the heels of that. Gore face. Obviously, that's not the original name. And right. it was changed. Was it changed for distribution purposes or was this like a creative choice? Oh, fuck no. I mean, it was it's actually a good name uh i was pleasantly surprised with it but yeah it was a distribution things um you know we had made attack of the cockface killer back in 2000 and fuck, i think we started in part in 2001 maybe it was released in 2002 roughly something like that and you know back then um you sold dvds there was no streaming you know you just sold fucking dvds and I mean, I took out ads in Rue Morgue and sold a fuck ton of DVDs. And I'll never forgive Rue Morgue because one day they called me and they were like, yeah, we can't run your ads anymore. I mean, do y'all remember Rue Morgue magazine? Is that- yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Rue Morgue, Fangoria, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I never could afford Fangoria. Uh, but there were a few other ones. There was, um, I think it was Dark Side. It was a UK, there was maybe two UK magazines because, and I was shipping shit. When back in that time when DVDs were hot, you know, like early 2000s, I was shipping shit to Australia. I was shipping shit to Germany. I was t- tons of shit to UK, um, and of course all over, uh, you know, Canada, North America, you know, anywhere, anywhere in North America. Um, and, and you know, it was just because it was physical media, so it could just say "Attack of the Cockface Killer." And as long as the magazine was cool with the title. You know, it never occurred to me that we would censor the title. The whole reason we made the movie was because it was a good title. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, definitely makes that's sense. pretty sad to say. But, yeah. <laughs> got a really cool <laughs> title. Okay, we got to make that movie. What's it about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. So speaking, speaking of the film and specifically just the ending. Now, I know everything's a little bit blurry at this point, but. The first film ends with the climax of a samurai sword showdown and zombies. Now, the, yeah. I guess the questions we got, how do, okay, first, how did these ideas come? Were they worked into the story? Was it ad-libbed? And, and also, when the first film was released, were there plans to continue to push the story forward? Because in Gorgasm, it, it kind of differs. Like, it changes dramatically, like, yeah. Was that like a clean break? I mean, obviously, we kind of discussed that, you know, obviously, this was a, a bunch of friends together making a fucked up movie, and then it becomes a series. So, yeah, like, was the first film just kind of like an entity of itself? Did you know it was going to become something more than this? I mean, it really shouldn't have become anything more. <laughs> but, uh, no, that wasn't the plan. I mean, it ended with the with the samurai shit. Like, I'm pretty sure that was in the script, I would imagine. Um, and I, I think it just, I don't know, maybe I need, I think it needed more time. It was like fucking 50 minutes at that point or something. And, uh, I wanted to film in the graveyard behind my house that I grew up in. Um, and it was, I convinced everybody we broke into the graveyard on my 21st birthday. Like that's how I spent my 21st birthday, breaking into the graveyard from Fuck behind yeah. where I grew up. And I mean, that was the whole extent of that is that has nothing it, i guarantee you that wasn't in the script i guarantee you there was no point to that ending it was just oh here's one more point actually because i wanted to, to break into the graveyard that was number one but also 
at the time, man, and, and you, I mean, go back yourself and think about it. Like back in 2001, which I guess it would have been February of 2002 is when we filmed that. Go back and see how many zombie movies were out at that point. Because there wasn't dick out. I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I was rewatching, you know, fucking Day of the Dead constantly. Return of the Living Dead. And, I, you know, all that shit. And just a huge zombie fan. And man, 20-something years ago, zombies were dead. There was no fucking Walking Dead. There was no zombie crawls, pub crawls, and all that shit. That didn't exist, man. Yeah. If you were into zombies, you were a weirdo back then. Uh, so obviously, we were all into zombies. Yeah, I was, I was two years old, so... Jesus! <laughs> Jack the intern <laughs> outing his age. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I well, remember. Take my word remember. for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like it was like the resurgence. I think it was like the resurgence of of zombies kind of came about. You had like the fuck. What was Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead around that time? Twenty uh, Dan yeah. Oils twenty eight days later. So yeah, like I, yep. I you know, yep. hell yeah, that's okay, what brought so, it back, man. So there, speaking I, of gore, there was almost like a little like I think especially with the uh, you know the zombies coming coming up at the end of it and the whole like premise of the lead singer wanting to get he just wanted to get his drummer back right like he was like there's no right. other drummer i can have and you know as somebody that's right. you know i've been in a band even cayman's been in a band and it's so fucking hard to get one a consistent drummer and two a committed drummer and so like i guess like i almost like it was weird for me sitting there and it's like i, I resonate with this you know <laughs> and, then, and, then, like, and then i was like sitting there and i was like and i was like and it made me think about spinal tap for a second when the drummer like explodes on stage and i'm like, <laughs> and I'm, like i wonder what would have happened if like they would have like tried to revive their own drummer <laughs> See, they could add a sequel, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that wasn't that wasn't uh, again. Like, so that the guy, the singer of the band. I mean, that was a real band, and it was that's my cousin, my first cousin, who uh, Eric Fox, who was basically a brother to me growing up. I didn't have a brother. He, that was his band, and uh, Donald was childhood friends from fucking you know before I could remember anything. Uh, so yeah, I honestly he brought that into it, and and being a musician, which I'm not, so. I, that probably is something that you can relate to because it was a musician's idea. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and, awesome. and, and did they write like, did they write music for the movie? Cause I mean, I remember there being like a song about the cock face killer. Did they like write a song for it? Well, so, so um, the band my cousin was in was after human and they were, uh, you know, they were young, you know, they were in their twenties. Um, but they had put out this album and it was, it was a really big hit locally. You know I mean? I, you'd run into people all over, you know, the greater new Orleans area. I mean, you know, within like a two hour radius, even over to Mississippi and shit. And they were pretty big and they played clubs and it was packed and it was, it was great. Um, so I already had that CD probably like when the movie was being filmed, you know, that probably came out when the movie was being shot. So a lot of that shit I was filming for some of those songs. And then there's the other main band in the film, which is the pallbearers. And that's like the guy with the dreadlocks, Richie Rochecliffe. He's the singer for that. Um, but the main musician behind the Paul Bearers is the guy who's behind Sheer Terror Records and Weirdo Wear. And um, he's one of my best friends from, you know, I guess, a pretty long time now. Um, so I kind of brought him in. And he's more of the punk rock scene. Uh, I brought him into the other weirdo guys that was my cousin's friends. Um, and, and the Paul Bearers wrote Attack of the Cockpit's Kill of the Song. And then from there on, every movie we made, Paul Bears wrote a theme song for each movie. Wow. That's awesome. So kind of moving on, getting into Gorgasm, the sequel to The Cockface Killer. So obviously there's a dramatic leap in production quality between the first film and the second. So like, what, what sort of factors do you think contribute to that significant leap in the, the production quality? I mean, uh, just, I mean, shit, dude, it was... It was the technology of, of video cameras, which is, you know, dwarfed by my phone at, at this point in time, you know, <laughs> but like we went from, uh, like I learned how to edit in, uh, linearly, right. Like on VHS tapes where like you had to, you had to like mark in 
mark out and then you stamp that onto like the master essentially so you, there was no like moving shit around you had to just say like all right this is the take and i want to put it here okay and then you, f you find the next tape linear editing that's all it is i'm making it sound more fucking interesting than it is but uh it's not so when uh when cockface was before it even came out they, like apple uh released software that was affordable i mean i, I had it pirated you know but uh that non-linear edited so you know we got this digital camera and you could you could edit and it but it was digital but it was still that like square frame shit you know it was still uh it was really old digital man i mean this is like one of the first generations of um uh non-linear digital editing so those cameras aren't that good i mean you wouldn't use one now you know you probably can't even find the fucking tapes for them but then uh by the time gorgasm came out they were hd which was still just like 720 uh not even like 1080 you know which means shit everything now people are filming 4k on their phone but it was still really compressed resolution so but yeah it was just a better camera and i uh i found a cameraman for that movie so so gorgasm is the third terror optics movie but it's the first movie filmed by eric carl and he's filmed everything since because he's an actual cameraman not just uh me or whoever i could get to hold the fucking camera <laughs> that's probably the difference so was it was yeah. it eric carl the guy that wrote the um hungry caterpillar books or am i making that up that's probably it has got to be a different eric i don't think <laughs> that's wrong. that'd be fucking insane <laughs> if he was doing that on the side and i didn't know i'd be like damn dude he's a secretive <laughs> kind of guy writing writing children i mean i don't know people well some people that do do children's things are have some dark secrets so that's that's yeah i mean <laughs> i've always wanted to write a children's book because i just figure like just make the dumbest shit i mean really like just something stupid like, how dumb can i make this because kids love that shit oh yeah <laughs> all right so the first filming and correct me if i'm wrong with the tagline uh was sitting around the idea that quote unquote no sex is safe sex it's yeah, so going yeah, into gorgasm that is incredible tagline. But going into Gorgasm, there's a definite feeling uh, that the sex scenes are one much more prevalent, but also much more explicit. Uh, with yeah, that being man. said, in Gorgasm, I mean, there's a time that I, we, Jack and I looked at each other like, yeah, we're definitely watching porn, right? <laughs> and so. <laughs> huh. Sorry. No, 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 no we was, were was, we were not upset about it. We were we were you know at that point we were just we were along for the ride and we were yeah. ready for whatever was next. So I know we addressed we addressed before we were like, all right, so at least two real sex scenes in a movie in the movie, and that was with Gorgasm. Now, how many yeah, real sex scenes? Yeah, it definitely so like just um yeah, like I, I just I'm I want to go back to that original question. Like, are you, in a situation like that, are you like when you like find these these people to do it? Obviously, there's a lot of connective tissue between the first film, second film, and obviously the third film with like repeating actors and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So do you like how do you like how did you get some of these people to do this movie? Because it's it's a couple scenes. Of, okay, that so we this were is just like fuck. So here's the thing, man. Like. You got to watch this shit. And this is why I don't do it anymore. Although, you know, I, I do want to make Cop Face 4. I really do. And it's a really good script for it. But we'll get to that later. But um, and I don't mean to talk shit about people, but you meet these people who are, you know, down to do some weird shit. And, man, baggage often comes with that. You know, like sure. they might be homeless. They might be fucking on drugs. You know, a lot. generally they're alcoholics. Um, most people involved were you know the biggest vice is alcoholism because it's new orleans and i mean you're talking like you know the, the main the main cop from that is one of my best friends forever uh and granted he did a lot of drugs in his life but he died from liver failure you know a few years ago and that's the kind of shit that you run into doing this you, you meet these people who are cool and a lot of fun to be around but it, it there, there's an element of it that brings you down man when you kind of get into how real it is you know I don't mean to sound yeah. like we're fucking in a gang or something like that, or like, you know, trafficking children or some weird shit, you know, it's not like that, but it's just that 
you know, you find, okay, so, okay, so y'all are swingers. Cool. Okay. So we got the sex scene. Y'all are down. Okay, cool. Well, but then they want you to fuck them. And it's like, well, I'm not a swinger. Like my girlfriend's hot. Like I'm not fucking your old lady. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not fucking mine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all, you know, you'll find there's one, I don't even know. I should tell this story. Uh, I'll keep it vague. Um, it's like in one instance, like you get these people who are professionals, you know, and you know, one of the main characters ends up like doing one of their like orgy tapes, you know, gang bang tapes or whatever. But in one instance in, in Gorgas, and we had to like find another couple to do it, but then we used bits of the first shit that we filmed and cut somewhere else. Anyway, man, you, like when you find people who are like odd and you want them to have sex on camera, it's, it's, I don't want to say anything like, you know, too like demeaning or anything to these people because they're nice people, but it, 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 it comes with strings attached. Sure. Sometimes. Yeah, and and I, I think there were, there were also like times and <clears throat> just, you know, throughout the movies where like, I, I thought it was interesting that you brought up that, you know, a lot of drugs are involved in these things. And I'm like, I'm looking at Cayman and I'm like, what are the odds that this person is like actually a crackhead that he just found? And was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Right. Yeah. So, and you try to avoid that because then you gotta you don't want them on set, you know, like that'll fuck you up your set. Yeah. Um, so I so you try to like get to know the people a little bit first, you know, mostly by drinking with them. Um but I mean fuck like Doug, one of my best friends, you know, we're driving around one night and he's like, ah, I used to buy crack there. Ah, I used to buy crack there. Ah, I used to get crack over there. And you know, my friend Jacob's like well, dude, when's the last time you had fucking crack? Ah, it's been months. It's like, I mean, that's not that long of a time, dude. It's like, so are you saying you want to stop and get some crack over there? Is that like, are you trying to? Okay. So, so, I'll I'll have a question about you know the the third movie later of just. It sounds like you you know you really, and I may be off saying this, but you know you you we're putting yourself in that lifestyle too, right? Like, you know, being surrounded yeah, by these people. Did you, did you feel like, you know, urge to, to participate, just be a part of that lifestyle and stuff? No, I'm weird, man. Uh, I'm like, uh, I say I'm weird. <laughs> like, no, they're normal. I, I, I don't fit in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I look, dude, making those movies really fucked up my life in, in a lot of ways. Um, that and what I did for a living for a long time is, uh, you know, I was, I was all about this like vice shit, but I don't look like it. Like I don't. I remember when Wild Eye Rob owns Wild Eye, and he met me, and he's like, "You look like an accountant." <laughs> I was like, "What do you think I'd look like?" He's like, "I didn't think you'd look like that." You know, like I'm just some fucking normal looking dude. I don't have tattoos. I don't have piercings. I don't have long hair. I don't, uh, I don't dress particularly odd. Um, but you know, my commitment was to, uh, I, you know, a punk rock attitude to filmmaking, you know, and I would, I would often talk shit about people on the, in the punk scene, you know, like they, they look like it, but it's a fucking costume. You know, like the, like the return of living dead quote. It's like, no, it's supposed to be a way of life, dude. Like I don't look, I'm not wearing your costume. I don't need to fucking dye my hair and shit like that. I, for a long time, I sold alcohol for a living. I used to, I can't tell people what the fuck I do. And I certainly can't talk about the movies I make. You know, it's not like a normal thing to bring up. You just dress like you're all fucking tough and shit. But like, what do you do to be a punk rocker? Like what, 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 how are you rebelling against the system? You're not motherfucker. You got a regular job. Like, like you just, you know, it's a play it out word, but it's like, you're a fucking poser. And I might look like a poser, but my, I've, you know, I've ruined my life for this shit. You know, <laughs> I dedicated myself to the art of exploitation filmmaking. I mean, there's something respectable in and of itself in that, though, right? Like, I think that's really. I don't know, man. I'm, I backed out now, though. I kind of, I totally put the stuff. Out now. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't, I can't afford to get sued and shit. What the fuck was I thinking, man? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there, there were there were some times where I think I was, I, I mean, I didn't say this came up, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, I don't, I feel like licensing might have been a nightmare for these films. <sighs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, there's, 
there's some legit shit in there actually um really it's one thing that you know because I went, I went to a decent college and like you know i did uh you know legally i tried to follow a lot of the um there's some shit in there that's legit um but it's yeah, i mean the the circumstances of which we were doing it you know you know maybe we weren't allowed to be there or maybe just insurance purposes alone you know you shouldn't be doing that and so I mean, getting 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 a little back to the, the film of Gorgasm, how does uh, an idea like you know, Clam come about, right? Like, the, what was it, the, the oral legion against mankind? Yeah, man, it sucks. Uh, we thought, so back in uh, 2005, this giant hurricane came and destroyed New Orleans, like fucked it up bad. You know, worst hurricane they've had. You know, fucking in modern times or something like that. And so everyone was um, like evacuated for months. I mean, I didn't go home for four or five months. And uh, so me and Jared Scallions, who was, Jared Scallions originally made up the Cockface Killer. So he wrote Cockface Killer, Stab in the Face and Orgasm. So I would, um, he was staying in Florida at the time, you know, everybody's evacuated and I'm bouncing around. You know, I, I knew people in several cities, so I'm going from like Texas to Florida, like for months. And I'd keep going back to his house for a little while, and uh, we would write this shit out. So the clam was probably just his idea from the get-go, and it sucks, man, because I think it was like right, maybe even before Gorgasm came out, Trauma released Poultry Geist, and and there's like a clam get girl gang in that movie, and I was like, motherfuckers. <laughs> because it wasn't from that i was like fuck you and of course that's like a you know it's gonna get seen by you know a hundred times more people or at least so so it just you know it was just a cool uh, he just thought of that shit (laughs) no and i I, I, we fucking loved it so like were they especially you know with the with the just like oblivious cop in it um you know, was like was were were the was Clam supposed to be the like main antagonist of that movie? Because I think yeah. there were at times where it felt like you know Cockface was more like a comedic relief almost coming in. Yeah, and and Clam was the bad guys. Well, it was. I think it was written that way where Cockface was more the hero in that one, but the Clam was hard to film. Um, we had, you know, they required lots of chicks and they all had to be like in costumes and in makeup and um, you had to coordinate them all. And it, it was just a difficult, you know, Cockface is my friend Backhouse who's got no job and no place to live and he just needs a beer and he's there. And, you know, maybe like you throw him a hot dog and, you know, if, if he can heat it up, that'd be good too, but he'll just eat it out the pack. So he's easy to work with. Whereas when you're dealing with, so I, I think, I think the clams, what we intended to film, some of it didn't get captured so well. Some of it we had to refilm. It was just, it's just a lot more uh, of the things that were in the script that were the more difficult aspect of it. Whereas Cockface was easier to, to deal with just because we could reshoot it a million times. It didn't cost anything. You, you weren't asking a favor to get somebody back who you hadn't talked to in a few months. Uh, and then the cop, the oblivious cop was Doug and he was the same way. I mean, he was, if, if you if you get him drunk, he's there. So he would often kind of steal the show because of that. Well, yeah, um, I thought I thought Doug in. I thought Doug made the movie in my opinion. I yeah, <laughs> just, he, he does. He really I does. thought he was I love hilarious. Um, so was so just like talking about casting and you know how hard it is to get these. Is the guy who played the cockface killer in the first one in you know and no. It, they weren't the same. I knew we kind of were like, I don't think these are the same people because they. He was definitely a little bigger in the, in the second yeah. film. Yeah, and the first cockface killer got a life. You know, he's like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> you know, I don't blame him. Uh, but Beckhouse is is the new cockface killer, and I mean, he at one point saw cockface at somewhere at a party or something like that, and he was a. He was a, you know, we call a transplant. He was an alcoholic that moved to New Orleans to drink and, you know, went to some parties and saw Cockface because, you know, it was kind of popular at the time. And then he met me uh, 
you know, out drinking. And uh, from that point on, like, I could never get rid of him. He was just like, I want to be in the movies. I want to, you know, whatever. He, he was, whatever he could do to be in the next movie. So, because I didn't even, like, think of him initially to be Cockface Killer. It just kind of occurred. We had hired this other guy. Um, we kind of had, like, these weird auditions. And this giant dude showed up. He looked, I mean, like, he was like, my favorite actor is Kane Hodder. And I was like, you got the part. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's how it went down. But then, he, then you know, some a couple months go by, and you're about to start shooting. And, you know, so, like, with not enough warning, it's, man, I got a job. I can't do dumb shit like that. Sorry. You know, I think he got a job, like, offshore or something. You know, he wasn't going to be in town. And I'm pretty sure it was, like, Beckhouse. Beckhouse could do it. And, yep, I'm down. <laughs> you know, like, Beckhouse, can you film? Yep, I'm there. Can we do it? Are we starting today? Like, uh, sure, come by. Oh, that's awesome, though. All right, so moving on to the final film released in the series, Grime Wave, Cockface 3. So one, as we addressed before, let's get it out of the room. We teased it. The film is censored. And yeah. we got to know why. Yeah, man, I don't know. So, all right, so this is where I'll go on a, a long, like, I, I, I can't talk too much shit about the industry, but fuck the industry. <laughs> okay, like... I got to figure something out for me, man. I don't know how to do this. So I go about this to where I get in touch. This distributor contacts me and he wants to release my movies. And I'm like, well, I got this movie coming out. Um, Cockface three. It's like going to be big. And he's like, sure it is. <laughs> and uh, like, dude, I mean, I got the DVD in the mail, you know, the same day as everyone else. Like I didn't release it. I didn't make my own copies at the premiere, you know, like I had done in the past. I didn't give anyone copies, you know, I wasn't online to be pirated. It was, I was holding out for this release date and, and, and hyping the fuck out of it. And the day it was released, it sold out on Amazon. Like, I don't know how many copies Amazon actually had stocked, but it sold out immediately. Um, but yeah, dude, we all, we're all getting together for a party, you know, to watch the movie. And I'm like, dude, my fucking jaw hit the floor. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I was so fucking heartbroken. And so I called the distributor and he's like, man, I can't get that on streaming. You know, like I got to censor it. He's like, but you're going to be glad I did because I'm going to get, because it's on Amazon Prime. Well, that didn't last long. You know, I don't know if somebody complained or, or if Amazon just realized that they shouldn't have been showing it or I don't fuck for all I know. My distributor was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't know if he has to pay a fee to keep it up. I have no idea. I really don't know. But long story short, it was censored for distribution and which it never really got distribution anyway. I mean, there was no point. So eventually I made uh, like Blu-rays of my own time. And that's what I want people to see uh so that's that that's it dude it's nothing more to it i had no clue i didn't i wasn't i wasn't aware and i certainly fucking was just disappointed when I, this the day i saw it damn yeah i mean i can only imagine I mean, we watched the obviously the, the copy we got was the the censored version and there was a moment because we, we rolled immediately off the heels of Gorgasm. Like, we literally watched Gorgasm. Two minutes later, we've got two more beers in our hand, and we've moved on to, to Grime Wave. And there was, like, a moment It was very jarring where we were like, holy fuck, like, what happened? Like, this is, it kind of took us took us aback. And that's, it sucks to hear that. Because, like, if some, if, like, especially for this, like, if I were to release an episode and someone were to go behind my back and just like edit it i'd be fucking furious like that's yeah that's that's just i think is a line too far i mean in theory um it, it I, I don't remember what the sales were but in, like it got a lot of downloads on amazon he was kind of right um but it ain't up there no more and uh which pissed me off thursday morning when i woke up and everybody was calling me about the boys and i'd sent you that that side-by-side -side video and it's like yeah i don't know what about i mean grime wave has nastier shit than that but i just feel like all throughout filmmaking you know if you call it that uh i've had people tell me like oh i've seen worse stuff i've seen you know, it's like we'll name a movie you know 
It's like if my name was John Waters, if my name was fucking Lars von Trier, you know, I'm not. Like you have to kind of make it to show that kind of shit. To be like, yeah, or if I'd made art films, I guess, right? But they're not. They're offensive. They're like mean spirited and offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so if the platform doesn't like you or just doesn't fucking what do they care? What, what are they losing by pulling you off? Yeah, no, that's totally and fair. I just and the whole thing like about it was just interesting too, because it's like you, you know, he opens up the the porta potty door and you see a girl, you know, going to town <laughs> on herself. And yeah, then it's hot. like, and, and then and then <laughs> they don't censor that, but then like they like half censor something else, and like the whole time we were just like, why even do it at that point? Like if you're not gonna like, and and I think it's even more interesting to hear that you know it wasn't you doing it, and like they just like didn't even do a, like a great job of censoring it either. Like just like they censored every other thing. I mean, I think there's shit they even like cut. I'm not sure. I don't remember. It's been a while. And there were things that just fucking cut out, you know. So question now that I have rolling off the heels of that. And now we will be putting in the description of the episode a link to the website. So they, you know, anyone who wants after hearing this and God knows all these assholes that listen to our show are going to want this. Um, it, the, the uncensored version, the one that you're selling. Now, is, yeah, is the that the, on the, the... Yeah. Okay, so that's going to include the original vision, the one that, that you want people to see. Because believe me, after we're done here, we're getting a copy of that. We're watching that too. Because we want to make, <laughs> like for me in particular, like it's one of those things that always pisses me off when you see people are like, oh, well, yeah, you hear interviews and stuff. And sure, it's gotten a little raggedy lately when you hear like the whole, the Snyder Cut shit that went down. And you're like, okay, I get it. And there's people that have come out and be like, not all director's cuts are the best version, but in my opinion, yeah. like, man, I watch way too many movies. And so at the end of the day, I want to see the version that the director had in mind. Like, what is the, what is the, like the piece of art that the director wants people to see? And so the uncensored version on your website does in fact include your original vision, not, not the gutted shit that, that we, right. we ended up watching. Yeah, man. I wish, I wish I had seen the uncensored one, but. Oh, we will. Uh, Don't worry. I mean, <laughs> <all right. laughs> cool. Trust yeah, me, we will. It's available. Well, that's good to hear. Well, I kind of want to round this out. And if it's okay with you, we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. Uh, we're going to nail down some finer details from the films and hope that you might be able to share some insights about us with the universe of Cockface. All right. So first question up. Is Cockface's chin dick attached to his actual face, or is it a strap-on dildo? Yeah, it's a strap-on dildo. Yeah. So, like, it will, like, it's, it's, yeah. It's not meant to be anything other than a strap-on dildo. <laughs> okay. So, is when, so, I guess that kind of, you know, negates the next question of when, you know, Cockface dips his chin dick into the beverages... I, we were wondering if he could drink through right. the pee, drink through the pee hole in the cock on his right. face. <laughs> yeah, so if, I guess if we'd yeah. have thought through that, it would, that would have been cool. <laughs> but we never really thought of that. <laughs> All right. So the next one up: Does the dildo samurai sword does it still exist in real life? You know, it did at some point. I think I might have finally threw it away. It was heavy as fuck, man. No. no. God damn. I was like, I was like hoping that, you know, like when you like those like guys that like are like into Japanese shit and like they have like the samurai (laughs) swords on their like mantle. I was like kind of hoping, I was kind of hoping that you just had like a giant dildo sword on your mantle. Because I mean, I don't know where it went. I don't even know. Honestly, I have no idea where it went. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, especially, you know, like I brought up with the chick that was, you know, going revving her engine, I think, as um, the one guy said, the oblivious cop said in one of the movies. Um, does Cockface have groupies? 
and friends in the movie because he would like sit down at bars people would know who he was like and then <laughs> this chick is like here you know posing with him so i guess we were wondering if he had groupies and friends and things like that uh so in in the i guess like in the seek in the world of the sequels we just kind of went with the idea that like everyone knew who he was in town so everyone you know like you fucked at your own risk kind of thing because he's out there uh, and he's an unstoppable force um and he's cool sometimes you know just don't you don't want to get caught fucking by him uh i mean there were times where like back house would go like for halloween or something walk around as a cockface killer and all in the french corner people like cockface i mean he was kind of well known locally for a while so yeah i just assumed that like borrowing from reality like cockface is this fictional character in this fictional like multiverse right like the alternate version of our reality and in that version of the world, he's he's cool. Like, I mean, he's around. All right. So there's a there's a scene at the end of Grime Wave where Cockface does an interview, and he definitely speaks a, a maybe a language. And so we're curious: <laughs> does he speak actual any sort of language, or is it just gibberish? It's gibberish. Sorry. <laughs> None of us speak other languages, so it's just gibberish is everyone's second language. Okay. So obviously in 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 Grime Wave, you know, they the the biker gang leader, the ninja gang kind of leader, they go to a satanic thing, they summon the <laughs> they summon the negacock through farts. Right. <laughs> and, and, and squirt and yeah. um so does god exist in the cockface universe oh i mean definitely yeah uh perhaps god should interfere at some point yeah god's definitely real okay all right now can you elaborate a little bit more on the order of the foreskin No, I can't. <laughs> so what, a, I have to kill you? Is that, is that a good reason why? That's a fair answer. That is a fair answer. <laughs> okay. So, and then we've seen, you know, Cockface gets shot, stabbed, you name it. And just throughout all the films. And he always bounces back. Is Cockface immortal? I uh, probably... Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, what if he's not even human, you know? What if he's, like, what if he's every sexually frustrated mongoloid's, like, energy honed into this being of uh, indestructible frustration? Fair enough. And last one for you. At the end of Grime Wave, Cockface is given even more supernatural powers by being placed into a kiddie pool full of cum. What would happen if he was fully submerged into a swimming pool full of cum? Uh, I mean, he would he would probably drown. I don't think Beckhouse can swim that good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Especially with he probably wouldn't let go of Bam, so he couldn't swim right within the mask and shit. He'd be fucked. So just the right amount of cum can get him up to Super Saiyan. Too much cum, he just right. drowns. <laughs> like a kid in a bathtub, you know? Don't overdo it. <laughs> All right, well, Jason, thank you so much for obliging our numerous questions about Cockface. We'd like to round out our conversation on a more personal note, if you don't mind. You've been quiet the last few years. I was doing some work for a short film in 2021, Psychotica. So the question for you is, what is next for you? And will it possibly be bringing Cockface out of retirement? Yeah, uh, I would. There's a really good script for Cockface 4 uh, that Billy wrote. Um, and it's great. It's just a matter of, for one, I wouldn't know how to show it to anyone other than making Blu-rays. And I mean, nobody fucking... I, only weird people have Blu-ray players. I mean, I have one, but most people I know don't have one. So how the fuck are they going to watch it? It's, that's that's a question. And if y'all ever find like somebody who's got that answer, please fucking call me and tell me. Well, every PlayStation I, I, plays Blu-ray. I do know that for a fact. Okay, well, 
that, that's, a, that's generally what I ask people if they have a PlayStation. Um, <laughs> I have like a little $20 fucking Amazon one, you know, like <laughs> just a piece of shit. But uh, so that's that's the main question is like if, you know, if the fucking tree falls in the woods, does anyone hear it? You know, like if you make a cock face movie and you spend two years of your life and all your spare money uh, and almost, you know, fucking have a nervous breakdown because of how stressful the, the process is dealing with everybody. Uh, is anybody going to fucking see it? Well, I can tell did. you right now, we did. And and we will support <laughs> and back that up. Now, Jason, with the last question we've got for you, and it's a question we ask all of our guests when they come on to the show. If you had to choose one film from the trash cinema genre to save, what would that film be? To save, like, from extinction or something? Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're here to save trash cinema. What film would you save? Um... Okay, well, so most of my favorite films, you know, if I were to say, like, my favorite films, they're probably not trash cinema. Like, you know, I don't think, like, I don't think Day of the Dead's a trash film. I don't think Alien's a trash film. I don't think Argento films are generally trash films. Uh, and that's, you know, and all the Friday the 13th films. Like, the movies that mostly, like, that I obsessed over most of my life. But I think there's one that is, and maybe it's not. Um, but is Return of the Living Dead a trash film? Linnea Quigley, absolutely. <laughs> well, I her mean, name yeah. is trash, trash in the film. Trash. Yes, that is one hundred percent a trash. I remember, film. like for forever, man. That you couldn't, I couldn't find a copy of that. You know, like I, I saw it on. Um, I, I honestly, think, I mean, I, I would have been too young, but I feel like I saw that shit in the theaters. I really, I saw some weird shit when I was a kid, um, and I definitely saw it on VHS. Um, but for most of like all my teenage years and, and it wasn't until maybe when I was like 21 or something like Cockface was already, I think, done when when Return of the Living Dead came out on DVD and I got to watch it again. And people, I think, take that kind of shit for granted now, man, because everything's out now. So you can get you can get really obscure with like, you know, fucking. I don't know. Terrorvision was a movie. I hadn't seen it forever. And it was on Amazon one day. And I'm like, Oh my God, I fucking love this movie. I haven't seen this movie since I was a child, but for so long you couldn't like, you had to save those movies. You had to get to get them on in the gray market on VHS. Yeah. Um, and people just nowadays, dude, you fucking, it's like, Oh, we're eternally dead. Everybody's seen that. It's like, well, now they have motherfucker. But when I was a teenager, I couldn't, I couldn't show anybody. I was like, this movie's the best. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And it still holds up, man. It's still one of the greatest fucking... If that's a trash movie, man, it's a fucking... It's a knockout. I mean, it had a decent budget. It wasn't super low budget. But, uh, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. I don't disagree. I love Terror Vision. Such a good fucking movie. And it is a movie we will 100% be covering on this podcast soon. Then we'll do it in your yeah, own. Yeah, I need to watch that shit again. <laughs> thank well, you jason thank you thank, <laughs> thank you no thank you for coming on the show jason is there anything that you want to plug the the website the record label anything that you want people to get their eyes on anything that you have going on that, that you want people to see to know about something they can support to kind of help the vision carry on or help save Cockface killer yeah i mean uh terroroptics.com is where you can buy movies um the Sheer Terror Records, I think it's probably SheerTerrorRecords.com is where you can get all the music. And uh, if you follow any of that shit on some sort of, I don't use social media, man, but if, uh, but I know that Billy keeps up with that really well because he's in so many bands. Um, that's that's how you could see what's going on. Uh, and and those, I guess those are the two ways to financially support the most. And then if you want a Cockface shirt, Weirdo Wear is where you can buy an official Cockface Killer t-shirt. It's uh, WeirdoWear.com. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jump on that shit. Get a copy of Cockface Killer. Just get all of them. Do it through terroroptics.com. Get the uncensored version of Grime Wave, Cockface 3. Do it the right way, unlike what we did. Trust me, we're rectifying this immediately. <laughs> so get on there. Do it as well. And guess what? If you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, the share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Word of mouth is key here, and we aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch this banter about video games there as well. 
We're also streaming live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Twitch, so come check it out. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman. Jack, where can they follow you? Uh, Jack Hurst, too. Beautiful. And you can also follow our sister podcast, The Spot Game Spot, on Twitter and Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. If you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or SaveTrashCinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. I threw up in my mouth a little. But I was in a crowd theater, so I had to read it. Hey, fuckers, who the fuck gave them a camera?